What's up, Buggy fans? We are at Hill 4. That's right, it is season four of Shoot the Shit, and we are back with some more of the best stories in the world of Buggy to show you what makes a sport special, which is you, the characters and the teams that build up the wonderful legacy and lore of the sport of Buggy. So go ahead and strap on your safety harnesses, get in, because it's time for some more great Buggy stories here on Shoot the Shit. Oh, it is so nice to be back here. Yet another season of Shoot the Shit. We're starting off with a nice one right here. We're talking about pioneers, specifically members of the team who were there in the chaotic final days where the whole team was really pretty much held together by duct tape. We go over what it was like kind of having to put down a buggy organization philosophy about why you do buggy what's kind of nicer about being on a team that's not super competitive uh what their legacy ended up being and if pioneers really ever died it's a great conversation so without further ado let's jump into it i'll go first i'm ethan gladding i use he him pronouns i was a member of pioneers from 2009 until eh, probably the end in the 2012 area but i continued to be part of buggy for many years after Hi, I'm Joshua. Um, you can call me he and him. That'll that'll be fine. Yeah, I when I have no I have no fucking idea when V dragged me into this. I, I just have absolutely was it two thousand I mean it must have been the same year as Ethan, so it would have been two thousand nine, right? And I graduated <laughs> in twenty eleven and that was that. Uh my name's Maya. My pronouns are they them. Um I was also uh Pioneer's buggy two thousand nine when V yelled at me, Hey you, you're short getting this buggy uh until they are short yep uh but not that short really i'm tall for a buggy driver um until uh 2011 um i am vincent my pronouns are they them um i was officially only involved with pioneers for a single race day and that was race day 2009 um and i guess it's kind of my fault everyone else is here yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah, well, maybe uh, maybe we can jump into that, I guess, right? you were, I, I see you're wearing a CIA hoodie here on the call. So, um, you know, I guess if you were there for one year, what brought you there for one year? And then what got you getting everyone else on this uh, podcast onto the team? I was interested in doing this episode because someone in the Buggy Discord asked the question, why did pioneers die with like a crying emoji? Um, and Ethan being the last pioneer had some things to say about that. And me being one of the people that sort of carried pioneers into its final death throes <laughs> also had some stuff to say about that. Um, so I was a CIA member for most of my time as a student. Um, I was a driver for race day 06 and 07. Um, I was chair in 08. Um, and then after race day 08, um, I kind of had nothing to really do for a little while um, because someone else was voted in for CIA chair. And I was like, all right, I'm, I guess I'll go back to driving or you know, do something. Um, but around the end of that year, Wes Morrill, who was the Pioneers chair for the previous couple of years, um, came over to CIA and uh, this is this is either like after race day 08 or like the, the fall after that summer or something. Um, 
and he was like, hey, CIA, would you like to have all of our stuff? Because I'm graduating and there's no one left to run this buggy team. Um, and there was a moment when CIA was like, I mean, I guess we can take all this stuff. Sure, that sounds nice. Um, but this kind of struck me somehow. And I saw that I had an opportunity to do something besides just like sit around and be a CIA ex-chair for a year. So I was like, actually, Wes, why don't you give me the keys to Pioneers and I will run your buggy team and I'll put the team to sleep afterwards. And he was like, that sounds great. I'll help you. I'm graduating at some point, but like, whatever, I'm around. Um, so my intention for race day 09 was be Pioneer's chair, run the team for one victory lap, and then put the team to sleep. Um, that was a really strange and exciting year. It was probably the most fun I've ever had in Buggy because we had literally nothing to lose. Like, we went into it basically expecting to lose. Um, when we started, there was me and the driver, Hannah, and Chaos, the buggy. And Wes was going to be around for the fall semester, but he was graduating, so I was going to be on my own for the spring. Um, and we just sort of, like, had a great time. You know, we went to rolls one day a week. That was my rule. Like, we're not going to go both days. Um, but we always did our chores. And showed up and hung out with other teams um, and every single time Hannah got to go around the course was more and more time she got to go around the course um, and then at the end of that year I was like all right good night pioneers I'll tuck you in we're done um, and I graduated and spent the summer being kind of a bum around town and ended up working for CMU starting in the fall and over that summer, I had this other thought of like, oh, no, I can't let Pioneers die like that. So I got permission from from Casey to have my ID card still work for the Pioneers garage. And I was like, if I recruit an entire buggy team out of nothing, will you let me run Pioneers again? And she was like, mm, I'm, you know, she didn't stop me from doing this. <laughs> so I... I had a really good time recruiting for CIA several years ago because CIA at that time was also struggling with having enough morale and manpower and availability and everything. And I was like, you know, my recruitment strategy of just being really obnoxious and yelling at people to join the team seemed to have worked once. So let me try that again. Um, so at this point, I'm no longer a student. I'm just some guy on campus with a buggy. And I, you know... Rule number one is make sure you have drivers. So I was like, all right, anyone who's my height or shorter, yeah, you can be a driver. Um, and I think a few people ignored me when I yelled at them. I mean, like, you know, anyone who's recruited drivers knows how this goes. Like, it's it's really creepy. It's like a little bit weird. You're just walking around looking for like short people. Um, and like, I saw Maya and I was like, hey, you look short, get in the buggy. Um, and they did and it worked. Um, I don't remember how I got anyone else involved. I think I knew Joshua as a person, kind of, <laughs> you know, I don't think I really knew Ethan. I don't really know anyone else that got pulled in. Um, but I was just sort of like, yeah, there, there are a bunch of people here who are sort of like loosely socially involved with each other. They can be friends. They can have a buggy team. I'll teach them how to do buggy. And then they can figure out how to retire this team. Cause I just don't want to retire this team. 
Joshua, did you grow up in Massachusetts? Yeah, I, I grew up in the greater Boston area. That's right. Um, which is funny because like V and their partner Ian have like some tenuous connection to the greater Boston area that I, I, I don't understand I, that I've actually never really understood. And I don't think I've, um, but yeah. So, okay. So the way V dragged me into this was I had been driving from Boston to Pittsburgh at some point. Um, and, I, and like, I'd been having all kinds of shenanigans of like parking illegally on campus because I was too cheap to get a parking pass. Um, and like, I think V had become aware of my shenanigans of like parking in the Ween Porter lot and like getting a iron slab to open the gate or something like that. You, you know how like Kelty would get their French horns to open the gates? Um, I, I grabbed like an iron slab to open the gate with. Um, but I think V because, had- like, never pay for parking on campus. Just don't. No, yeah, right. Um, but so V had, I think, heard of some of this shenanigan related stuff um, and was like, you have a car, right? I'm like, I, I do, yes. Uh, and they were like, cool, you're driving follow car for this for this buggy org. Um, and I was like, wait, buggy is at fuck in the morning. They're like, you're up. I, I've seen you on IRC up that late anyway. Just stay out for it. <laughs> so I did. Like, I, I, I never slept before rolls, right? I, I would always sleep after rolls. That's true. We would see wild shit uh, coming from uh, Joshua and Jackbo as they rolled into rolls in whatever state they had decided to be in the night before. Yeah, the, and and RD Marsh also often I think had been up all night also. Um, yeah, we would we would just materialize in an interesting condition. Sure, I bribed you a lot with food. Th- that's right. Mm-hmm. That, that that helped. I made you beer bread every week. Yeah, um, and but and apple butter also, as I recall. <laughs> I've made apple butter for you. The Massachusetts um, connection. You know, I've, I, I've been running a buggy team for several years before that. I know how you get people to rolls. You figure out what their sleep cycles are. You work with their sleep cycle. You make sure they're fed. You tell them that they are appreciated for what they bring, such as a car and right. a warm body <laughs> and a working set of legs. And Well, I didn't have a working know. set of legs. I was a fat ass in, in, in undergrad. <laughs> um, they worked well enough. They worked well. You could you could occasionally get out of the car and move something once in a while. And actually, as the as the follow car driver, you didn't need to have a working set of legs. You just need to be able to drive the car. That's right. Um, oh, I was gonna say the reason I needed to recruit you for your car was that I had a motorcycle and I had asked sweepstakes if I could use my motorcycle as the follow car, and they said <laughs> no because they required the follow car to have four wheels. And to be able to transport a driver and or possibly a buggy. Mm. Chris Shellhammer? Andrew Hunt said that. Um, Andrew Hunt, I have a lot of love and respect for how much he took care of us that year, but he did not let... No, actually, yeah, that was the year, not not the year that I recruited you, Joshua, but I think the year before. Yeah, so the race day that I was chair for was when I asked about that, and he said no. Anyway, but that's that's when I realized, yeah, so I really do need to find someone who actually owns a car and can drive it and bring it to rolls. Um, And and I mean, motorcycle was at times a generous interpretation. Like, (laughs) cycle was the case for that, and motor was occasionally the case for that, as I seem to recall. Yeah, that 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 was not a great motorcycle. So it's probably a good idea that I didn't use it for the fall car, Um, but. Anyway, yeah, we just needed you for your car. That's right, I, and I mean, I think you the other... between the chair, but you know, that was an, a later step. God, um, 
Yeah, right. Uh, yes, oh, it so. was. But so I think the other only the only while we're while I remember the beer bread and um and apple butter, the other core element of this was that the, that brought entertainment because Signu staged next to us uh, during rolls, and they were inevitably like disastrously hungover. Um, and so V would bring us, you know, a portion of beer bread and for everyone's entertainment, uh, V would bring over some beer bread to the, from, to the catastrophically hungover <laughs> Signu. The entire frat, right? Because like their frat rules were everyone had to show up to rolls. So the, the rest of the Massachusetts thing comes in because we had a, had to assemble a team and we had a pretty hard and fast rule. Uh, we needed five people at 5 a.m. to start hauling the buggies out of the garage and seven people at seven so that we had uh, enough people to actually get to Hills. And we never made those numbers. It just no. the year that we were in Pioneers, like we never got to five people or seven people. It was always some sort of slapdash affair all the way around. But the people that we did have when we had them had loose tenuous connections uh, to the lot of us. Um, and one of them was an old high school friend of Maya's. Um, My ex, Arjuna actually. Hicks. And your ex. I wasn't going to yeah. drop it in there, but that's that's for you to drop in if you'd <laughs> so like. Get your ex to push a buggy. Why not? Yeah, so so <laughs> Maya's ex also happens to be a freshman in the same year that we were. Uh, um, and he and did track. So like, that's what I'm like, oh, he track. can run. <laughs> and he was in my dorm floor, and we were. I was literally across the hall from him. And that's uh, Arjuna Hayes. Hi, Arjuna. Hopefully you're listening. Costa uh, Sacravulis. Um, would occasionally join us and Arjuna and Costas had known each other also in high school. Um, this, so we have this whole Massachusetts thing going on. We had the good fortune in pioneers and V had the good fortune to accidentally pull in this group of people who had tenuous connections as we were all just arriving at the university. Nobody knew anyone and yet they all did kind of know someone. Mm. Um, so, so we had this weird, (laughs) weird slapdash crew of people who were being coaxed by, exes and by housemates and <laughs> dorm fellows to just show up at stupid o'clock uh yeah so actually like i couldn't tell you what the order happened in and i can't even i don't even remember when in the year uh i had become involved with this but i do know that the reason i had time to do it is because i had been rejected by robo club i had been president of the robotics club for many years in my high school i showed up to carnegie mellon university and they were like you're an art student? And I'm like, yeah, I know C, uh, I can solder. And they're like, but you're an art student. And I'm like, I've been building robots for seven years. And they're like, we have no idea what to do with you. And I'm like, get fucked. (laughs) 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 And walked right out of that club and had nothing to do. So this was a weird, niche, highly specific, esoteric rule set. Uh, And there were a bunch of cute girls, um, very small, um, driving really (laughs) fast. Um, and I was 19, 18, uh, gosh, this is a long time ago. Uh, 18, I think. 18. Yeah. yeah. We, were, we come in really young. Um, so, you know, you stick around for a couple and it's so weird that it's compelling and you right. try and recruit people, but it's really a mistake they have to kind of make on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one that I sort of fell head over, uh, you know, heels into. Um, yeah, those, those first years were wild, but the ethos that V instilled into the organization where we showed up to just do it because why not? And like, we weren't in it to win. 
No. Like, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I think, like, Chaos got DQ'd quite a lot while you all were running that team. I don't think so. Yeah. I thought Chaos... Do you mean race day? Do you mean race Every day? Every single race yeah, day. Yeah, on race yeah, day. Men's race day, while we were in charge, Chaos had never completed a men's race. Well, mm-hmm. it races on the, the other race. Hand. You completed the race. And then got DQ'd on the break test. It's always and, breaks. And, like, years later, it's just like, oh, is it that I just, like, have shit reaction speed? It's not. Was it's I not at all. No, we did. We did dumbass Might've shit helped. to the wheels. I don't know because we passed drops every morning. Right. That. Yeah. Right. That was the. That was always the. So the 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 thing that right definitely not in it to win. I I had always thought for buggy, and I've extrapolated this um, theory to many other things that I've done subsequently. Um, that there's a gap in the middle and uh, I, I'm sorry for, for you CIA folks. I, I call this the CIA gap. Um, that, um, remember Josh you have to be I, a decade out of date. So it might, not I, apply I, yeah, I don't know if CIA is good these days. I've, yeah. I have absolutely no fucking idea. Um, but, but my era, um, there was that what I called the CIA gap, which was that like to be, to have fun, you have to either be good enough to have fun or you have to be bad enough to have fun. And Mm. pioneers was straight up bad enough to have fun. Gotcha. Um, And like, you know, like SDC, like winning is fun, right? Like, I mean, if you like winning, then like- I hope they're having fun. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to tell whether they're actually having fun, but you know, I think a lot of people look at SDC and are like, if I performed like SDC, I would have a great time. Right. Yeah, yeah. That I, I think I agree that it's hard to, it, it is possible to be good enough to have fun. Um, I don't know if, if that works for them or not, but it is possible to be good enough to have fun. Um, but there's in, in, there's the thing in the middle where you're trying really hard and you just suck shit. Like you're, you're just, I don't know about suck shit, but you're, you're like, you're certainly beating pioneers. Congratulations. Um, and um, and you're just amassing large amounts of people who are like pouring lots of energy into a buggy uh, and doing a build and like and, and SDC beat you again this year. Um, and so I, I always I always thought that that was really one of the magical things about pioneers was being just solidly being bad enough to have fun. I, like I I think we were moderately disappointed upon being DQ'd, but. I, I, my memory, and maybe this is kind of some type two fun level memory, right? Um, is that like, we were happy enough to make it to race day at all. Um, like that we got it, like that we had enough pushers to push five hills. Um, and also that all of the pushers showed up. Um, and that like chaos had not like that the one buggy that we had that we had been limping along. Um, oh God, we put a, put a bookmark on the push yeah, put a pin disaster. In that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also nobody got hurt like yeah. ever. That was a big piece of it was like, we were going to get there, get to race day, have some fun and, you know, not going to crash. Yeah. Um, like it was the screaming had... buggy incident. Yes. There was, we always had weird adversity because as, because we couldn't even get everyone out to rolls every morning, we would negotiate with just CIA usually to get a flagger because sometimes yep. we wouldn't have a flagger. So Maya drove, <laughs> you know, without a transition flag for the whole yep. first year. Wow. So like t- the Why down would you need one of our the driver. top of the hill. Like yeah. road goes up, you move across the road, road goes down. 
And like, there's not a there's just not a lot of drivers that have that kind of intuition about the course. Um, and it was always remarkable, um, and totally wild to have, like have someone who was this good at it. Uh, probably could have done a lot better in a better buggy. Um, I mean, the uh, better buggies that existed at the time wouldn't have fit me, so irrelevant, right? Fair. Probably could have done better with a uh, a push team that was prepared to support your driving <laughs> skill, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe one that was showing up for more than just trucks weekend and race day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't, we did not do push practice. No, um, I, I hadn't even known what that was. <laughs> Push practice, in my mind, even as somebody who continued to do buggy for a while, push practice was the thing that kept me from um, driving over to get pizza or whatever the hell it was. Like, I, I just, I didn't understand, like... I forgot it existed until you mentioned it. Yeah. I think if there's something I can kind of point at as to, like, what that era of Pioneers is about is, like, it's, like... 99% driver focused and yeah. maybe I'm biased because I ran that team as a former driver and when the year that I was Pioneers chair it was basically me and a driver and we were calling 100% of the shots like every decision for what the team prioritized and what the team put resources into and what we basically gave a shit about was you know the driver of the buggy gets to take the first choice and the person who is helping out, who also used to drive buggies, gets to support that choice. Um, and that's kind of the ethos I took into teaching, you know, this particular batch of pioneers after me, like how to run a buggy team, which is I recruited a driver first, which is Maya. And mm. then I taught everyone else how to take care of the driver. Because <laughs> really the only thing I cared about is the driver. The driver is by far the most vulnerable person in this entire team. Mm. And By far. also the most, also the most important, like you really cannot do this without a driver, you know, everyone else you can kind of replace, like the push team has an entire backup push roster that you can offer in, but you cannot swap in a driver. So if your driver isn't happy, if your driver doesn't like what's going on, if your driver doesn't feel good, you don't really have a team. And when you prioritize the driver having a good time, this is kind of what everything else looks like. And like, Maybe that means for pioneers, like you're not gonna, you know, post a top five time or whatever. Who cares? Like that's not what you <laughs> yeah. prioritize as a team. You prioritize having a good time, and like, I think that's, you know, maybe that's something that some other teams miss. Maybe they get something else out of not prioritizing that. But like, mm. you know, if there's if there's anything spicy we can get into, it can be like, you know, what did we as the four of us witness other teams do that seemed like they weren't taking care of their drivers? You know, we saw some pretty scary stuff. Yeah. And like I'm sure I'm sure everyone else listening to this like knows scary stuff that's happened to drivers over the years. Um, but I don't know. That's that's sort of feels like what our team was always about. That is I'd like I've even vocalized this before. That is the way that I understood Buggy was that like you showed up so that your driver had a good time and then it was easy to feed off that energy. Like somebody gets out of a buggy and it's like, let's go again. Like you're there for it. Like you could do a wheel change in any amount of time, like 30 seconds to go. So you can put a buggy back on the course. If your driver is excited to get back out there. Yeah. Um, or if it's cold enough, absolutely do not take me out of this buggy. Leave me in <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> there is no wind. There is no weather. So just this morning, the roles were canceled for weather. And 
there are like there's always going to be back in my day we rolled in whatever degree first of all they're wrong yeah like first of all you're wrong but second of all for that yeah i'll always support sweepstakes in choosing to cancel a rolls for weather because it can go so wrong quickly and like the results can be permanent um but certainly our worst incident uh involved uh, a rolls day that was just a little too cold and one misstep or maybe not even a misstep just like well there was a delay so you know like yeah something that we weren't responsible for yeah you know a team in front of us had god knows what stopped on the course who knows just a brief delay what (laughs) well actually i don't remember (laughs) if you remember i mean it's your story it's exactly who you think it was um you know uh but like yeah it was just sort of chilly so i was like wearing a hoodie and there was like a delay because like one team had some sort of stoppage on the course i don't remember if this was was like wheels fall off or not uh but it could have been um and so I was in the buggy for like slightly longer than usual. And like my arm fell asleep. Uh, it was my right hand. So it was the one that uses the brake usually. Uh, I realized it's like halfway down the hill. Um, and I was just sort of like, okay, you know, I'm like halfway down the hill. I'll get all the rest of the way down the hill. And then like sort of figure out like what is going on during the back hills. Cause like, I'm not really paying attention to that. So like I get around the chute uh, with my left hand, which I'm right-handed. So, you know, um, and partway through, I'm kind of like, huh, can I move my arm at all? And my nerves are telling me no. But like visually, I can see my hand moving. I'm like, mm, that's not good. <laughs> uh, so at the top of the hill, you know, I need to get out right now. Um, yeah. So we we catch the buggy at the top of the hill. It's already a cold day. We've already been out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I lean down to the, to the uh, windshield and ask, um, are you okay? Yeah. What I get back is... I have no idea. (laughs) Get me out of this... You you can do it, yeah. Get me out of this fucking buggy. Honestly, that was like... It was an ear-shattering scream that I could hear from the sidewalk. That's what I seem to remember. I I seem to recall, like, coming up through, like, Hill 3, Hill 4, there was a a scream coming from the buggy, and then, like, the Hill 4 pusher was like, "Uh uh-oh. Um... Um... And like the buggy comes, I'm driving the follow car and the buggy comes to a stop and I have no idea what's going on. And I like open the door to the car to go see if, and like hear the the screaming buggy in the distance, not, and you know, with, with all love for Maya, right. Um, this is not, and I think kind of the other interesting thing about this, rather than, rather than this being a, a story about like, Maya is high strung or buggy drivers are high strung and buggy drivers kind of are high strung, but also everybody is kind of high strung as an undergrad. Um, and especially everybody is kind of high strung at like seven in the fucking morning. Also in like a tiny tube. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, V was just saying there's nobody more exposed in this sport than the driver, like right. a mechanical issue. That doesn't affect the mechanics that affects the driver while they're going, God knows how fast anywhere right. from 10 to 40 miles an hour. Like the, the, you know, mold doesn't quite work on, on your monocoque layup. Like you're putting pressure on somebody's feet the whole time they're in the tube. Like that's going to, that can affect them forever. That could be nerve damage depending on how yeah. long they're in that thing. So like making sure that your buggy team is focused on driver comfort, driver safety, like driver, like emotional state in every mm-hmm. single morning is you know, the way to make this work. Um, I think most teams get that. Plus like, you know, getting the visual feedback of, Oh, there's something else in this tube with me. 
I don't know what that is. Like, I know it is my arm, but like, I, that does not feel like it. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, the good news is, is that like, no lasting harm was done. And like, EMS got involved and they're like, you're fine. You know what's going on. Because um, they were like, you know, oh, you know, where are you? What's going on? And it's like, oh, I'm in the Tepper School of Serious Business. Uh, they laughed at that. Because <laughs> um, I'm like, what else is this building called? Uh, and like, it was just like, no, I just need to not have whatever pressure that was like on my arm from like, I don't know, extra layers, whatever. Yeah. there You're always supposed to have an extraction kit in the follow car. Definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I was Our first on scene, it was 10 cents. Yeah. So exactly. since I was first on scene, um, as the hill four pusher, whomever just finished that out, we never, we never pushed all the hills as stated. We never had enough people to do it. Right. A waste of time. So just yeah, it wasn't like, why? Yeah. I, I learned that when my job was to push hill two and then three, four and five back when I was the only pusher and also the only mechanic. So I was like, you know what? Hill five is optional. You push until you get to the staging area. Yeah, and our staging area was in the middle of Hill 4, so fuck right. it. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter. Um, but yes, uh, in this, in the in, current of this incident, um, I had change in my pocket. I wasn't carrying a tool of any kind, um, so I emptied my fucking pockets and pulled out a quarter, which was all we needed to work the, uh, the flathead screws that were mm-hmm. holding the whole damn thing together. And we one. had Maya it's out of that buggy. Yeah, it's just the one. And some tape. But we had Maya out of that buggy in under a minute. Um, and that was our worst incident. And as far as teams go, like, you know, knock on wood, obviously for all future teams, we didn't have crashes. We didn't lose a wheel. Like our, our rolling incidents were, were nil. Well, especially yeah. a team of pretty much all new people. Amateurs. No you one know, had any right? ideas. Exactly. But yeah. also like, I mean, pioneers had like nothing to prove and also everything to lose. And like, that's the thing when you're rolling on such tight margins like that, like, you know, you can't break the buggy. You only have one buggy. It's because Vincent, who was the chair before y'all, sold the other buggy to different teams or <laughs> broke other every single other buggy that was left. That's true. Um, we did break another Pioneer's okay. buggy. Yes, I did break a Pioneer's buggy. There um, is now an annual tradition. Story. This is a good story, actually. Um, yeah, there's now so, an annual tradition of bringing the push bar to the buggy, buggy carries. Yeah, to rolls so, every so year. The, year. the year that I was Pioneer's chair, um, and I had a driver in a buggy, but like I also just really missed driving because the year that I was CIA chair, I took off driving because I just I could not drive and chair at the same time. But I was sure. like, you know what? If we're taking a chill year, maybe there will be time for me to do this. Um, or like even if I don't actually make it to race day, but I get to go around the course a couple of times, we can do this. Um, so I got in carries, which was... Um, what everyone affectionately referred to as the SUV of buggies. It was tall with a narrow wheelbase. And um, even if you're when... you're on cmubuggy.org and you see a picture of a red and blue buggy with biohazard wheels, you know you found carries. <laughs> and I, I think the one of the, one of the um, highlight photos actually shows carries going up on two wheels going through the chute because every single time carries went through the chute, it goes up on two wheels because the wheelbase just was not wide enough for how tall that buggy was. Um, but this buggy was like, it was built to be huge. Um, it was built to accommodate, you know, maybe not someone the size of Wes who built this, but like definitely like if you're, I want to say like Mike Rem, who's maybe like 5'7 or 5'8, um, former sweepstakes year, he got into it. Um, you know, it's, 
it was a very roomy buggy um and like i was definitely one of the biggest drivers the years that i was driving anyways i was like yeah i'll drive i'll drive carries it'll be fine um so during capes um this is the first time i got in carries first time i got to hit the brakes on carries first time i got to move at all um the instant i hit the brakes the buggy fishtailed a little bit flipped onto its side rolled and immediately snapped the push bar off oh uh and then um andrew hunt i think was the one who did that um who was doing capes that day looked down at me uh, made sure I was okay, and then disqualified carries for life. Um, <laughs> and then we sent, and then we sent carries to the airplane hangar in um, upstate Michigan with the rest of the Pioneers buggies. Um, except I got to keep the push bar. Um, it lives in my basement, and I bring it to race day every year to, I don't know, wave at spectators or something. That was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, or two thousand. That was the fall of two thousand eight. So would have brought Pioneer's buggies down from two to one, right? Yeah. Well, so that that would have brought us down from three to two. Um, the other buggy that we had at the time was Quicksilver, which was the one that I sold to DTD, so they would have a buggy to roll on. Interesting. So that was I didn't realize that was originally a Pioneer's buggy. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's Quicksilver. Why, that's, part of, that's part of why I took a lot of. Um, I'm going to say like personal guilt about how that team and that buggy ended up um, because I, I sold them the buggy and I, was, I I watched that buggy, you know, take a beating that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, so I, I and boy, I, 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 you know, we were all chatting before this podcast briefly. I was like, how spicy do I want to be? And the answer apparently is it is time for me to become a little bit spicy about yeah. uh, about DTD from Bring that it. year. Bring um, it. In, in some sense, there, there was a lot that went wrong in the Pioneers DTD transition. Um, and the transition was that DTD ended up taking over half of our shop space. Um, we had a big storage space. We had a shop in, in the UC basement. Um, and Apex now Gessling has garage. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes, I misspoke. Uh, I misremembered, to be honest. Yeah, so... Um, DTD had has was coming in as a brand new buggy org in this right. year also, so they had not had a a continuation with buggy, so they were it was the first year team for them. Right, and so they asked if uh, they could have some of our garage space, and they were like, "Sure, we're not using the other half of our garage space, no big deal." And so I think we just gave them key card access. I think like we had we could manage key card access, and so rather than going through student activities, we were like, "Here, just please enjoy." Like we we're happy to see a buggy org, go for it, um, and. God, I, I just keep remembering. I, I have all these vague memories in the back of my head. One, as far as I could tell, they were just trying to kill their drivers with that thing. Um, I'm not sure if it was the condition of the buggy or whether it was their failure to maintain it um, and and their failure to, to train a driver. I don't know. Um, but um, they had, I, I seem to recall that the steering linkage left at some point, like, mid shoot um and that that resulted in a hay bale incident um and god and and they were just uh they, they became uh, less than fantastic neighbors of our space also mm-hmm. um and um I, I have no idea what dtd is up to as a buggy org now i hope they're a good buggy org now 
I don't think they were rolling. Did they just get back into it? There was I a know they were out pre-pandemic. Of it. We had on and off. There, like they, there was like Delta Force for a while when they rolled right. with um, Tridelt. That, that was immediately following Tridelt. this incident or this year. Okay. We've had a more okay. recent variation of that. Right before the pandemic, BAA made a big push to try and get some more fraternities and sororities involved and some more buggy orgs going, and we had another sort of DTD um, like try, um, but it all got messed up. Uh, as 2020 rolled around and disrupted everything. But yeah, so that also, I guess, had to be kind of wild, though, if you're... I've, I've never actually been in a buggy shop, but, like, splitting that halfway with a brand new org and you all don't even necessarily know what you're doing. The, the other funny thing about this is, like, you know, you expect to have at least one meathead of a pusher on your team. Like, if, if you want to feel the buggy team, you, you expect to have at least one meathead of a pusher for, like, hill one or something right um and as v notes uh as v noted earlier that 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 is actually not a critical element of a buggy team uh a uh you require uh not less than one driver and apparently by the rules one follow car driver um and and one pusher i suppose um and um so so the meathead the meathead part is is completely optional and we we took full use of that option element <laughs> uh, we, we were all scrawny nerds and, and i think it's interesting kind of as you're talking about like the ethos with it or whatever where right it wasn't about competition i guess it makes sense if not really from a sports background or whatever but it seems like it was sort of i mean i i guess still even diving a little bit more into it like i get the idea of it's like fun it's building this community was there much of a sense sort of or, or for, for those of you who are new did you have that much of an impression of like, oh, we're keeping this thing alive? Or was it more just let's just do this day by day, have fun, figure out whatever? Was there any sort of drive to like revive it? V, like when V dragged me into this, they were like, uh, I'm not letting this thing die. Um, and there was this and it's because I as a person just have a lot of trouble letting go with things. So this is purely like my personality defect that has caused all of this. <laughs> and I will own that. But, you know, you are. I mean, so the flip side of that is that, that you seem to have found somebody um, and, and maybe maybe uh, at least uh, two other somebodies on on this podcast. Um, I can let them speak for themselves, I suppose. But you found at least somebody who also has that same defect. Like I, I am unwilling to be like, no, this thing is done. Right. And there, there was no, I, I couldn't, there, there were many times when I could not figure out why we were doing it other than there was a long line of pioneers before us. And, uh, everybody in this sport takes this too fucking seriously. Um, and somebody has to show mm -hmm. up and have fun by not taking it seriously. Like, do, do you, who was it out at race day 2011 who um, had, I, I guess that might've been CIA that was doing it. We were glad for, for them that they were cooking pancakes next to their truck. Yep. Um, OS CIA. Yeah. Um, while SDC was busy starving their driver that morning. Yep. Um, and we, we were like, oh, I, I will say that, that maybe that's started at least as far down as me when I was an early CIA driver, um, which was that 
me and other CIA drivers who love stuffing our faces with food would walk past the SDC truck while the SDC drivers were not eating in order to keep their weight low enough to make their pushers have less to push. So I don't know if that was a direct continuation from, you know, me and my friend Ruby who drove with me where we would just troll the drivers. But like, yeah, that's the thing that people would do. Yeah. But I mean, that that's kind of the like, I don't know, like, I was kind of mad about in, in some senses, maybe I'm, I'm just projecting my current view of the world onto how I was when I was was 20. But um, but I was kind of mad about how seriously everybody took buggy. Um, and I was like, no, like mm-hmm. this, like, do you do you do you not all understand that you are finding the largest football players you can to get the smallest freshman you can into a carbon fiber torpedo and pushing them up a hill and having them drive down. Like, do you not understand what you are doing? No, that, and, that uh, Lord. Um, the idea that like, this is ridiculous. This is esoteric. Like this on the face of it, just look at yourselves. Like, this is crazy. Um, and like, no one's going to keep and, it like, going. None, none of it matters. <laughs> yeah. Like, and no one's going to do it unless we do it. It's so important to all of us otherwise we wouldn't be here but it doesn't fucking matter at all and that's the brilliant part of it for me is to look at something that has no point and no meaning whatsoever it doesn't you know and like it's still something that like i can't let go of because like i'm still on this podcast with y'all being like yeah it is important because it's not important what does that even mean going down the hill face first is fun obviously which so much, so many people yeah. in buggy have never done, you know? Yeah, I mean that's what I kept coming back for. Maya, have you ever considered racing cyclocross? Uh, <laughs> no, but well, you should. I was going to say um, one of the things that I used to do before I went to CMU was I would bike up this really big hill and then bike down as fast as I possibly could. Oh, you you yeah yeah, it's perfect. I mean, certainly. Certainly I stayed with this partially because it's an interesting mechanical challenge also. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a weird, like a weird assemblage, three wheels, like super high end aircraft grade materials. And what are you doing with it? You're pushing it down the hill and then pushing it back up in the same <laughs> breath. Like you're doing wh- a relay race. Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but the thing you're relaying is a living <laughs> The living person most of the time is a living most person, person well, too yeah. no I, I i think that kind of like core contradiction is part of what just makes buggy so interesting and why i've stuck around so long not even having ever been on a team um is just kind of the narrative possibility of like why the hell is anybody doing this and like like forcing i always thought that now? the um I, I always thought whenever we would show up to go um, we would get the leaf blower and and leaf blow the course at god awful in the morning. It's like you know some of the you know half the team's still drunk at that point. Um, but um, and asking the question of like why are like why are we doing this? And my best conclusion was that buggy was like an elaborate long con of a hazing ritual from from our our CMU ancestors. <laughs> I mean, I do think there is something so inherently CMU about it too. We can get back to kind of the thread there where like 
it is the most obsessive thing you can work on in a weird way in terms of a sport. Like, I guess maybe like football, basketball or whatever, you could spend these hours in the gym, but there's something about buggy that like you're forced to only do it at the worst possible times in like small, weird cramped rooms on top of your work that like lends itself to our own like weird neuroses and just like need to constantly be working or whatever. And you've nailed that. Well, um, yeah. it took me seven years to graduate from Carnegie Mellon and buggy was primary among those reasons. Um, but then like, how do you account for everyone at CMU who like didn't even know what Buggy was? I I account like, for this like everywhere. I think everything's a subculture. Like everything from like stock trading, like doing finance to like running the government. Like all of these are done by like these insular groups um, of people who like don't necessarily have a strong connection to everyone outside of them. Buggy is the same way, but also like weird midwestern sports where like a whole town will do larping just because there's nothing else to do in your weird town or like Um, marching band yeah like it's all like if you're not looking like in then it's sometimes hard to see out yeah i mean after graduating i joined the pipe band and that is just weird insular nonsense like you go and show up and then there's all these other bands that are also into the same weird insular nonsense but they take it way more seriously than you do and there's so many spheres of this at CMU. You could yeah. do it, you know, however you want it. You could be in like dramaturge. You could do hackathons. Um, you know, you can find your people uh, and get really into something and never notice what's happening three feet from you. I mean, that's I think that's CMU for most freshmen, sophomores. They like don't even see Pittsburgh. Like, and that's easy to do. And it, it makes sense, honestly. The schedules are so packed. Undergraduates perform so much insane labor in just a short amount of time, when I think about what we were able to accomplish in 18 weeks as, you know, teenagers going into our 20s, it's it's crazy. And there's there would be no time to even look outside of what you're doing. But it's the whole story. Like, you're just trapped in your bubble. And our bubble was buggy. Like, <laughs> this is what well, I was focused okay, on. So, but that's kind of the interesting thing is that I had no connection to buggy until V dragged me into this. My freshman and sophomore year, um, buggy was something that happened at a time that I didn't exist. It, it, it was inconceivable. Like during carnival, um, freshman and sophomore year, I kept thinking like, oh, I should get up and see a, like, and see what buggy actually is. It seems like it could be plausibly cool. Um, and a bunch of my friends did booth, right? Like a bunch of the KGB folks uh, were all booth related. And I also thought booth was the dumbest thing I could possibly imagine um, because because you spend all this time building this thing up and then you tear it down like instant and you're just busting your ass and, and then what? Right. Um, but it was something that I couldn't even like, I didn't even think it was something that I, I could ever consider being a part of until V was, was less like, uh, do you want to do this? And more like you are doing this. Like you, you're, can you drive follow car tomorrow morning? Uh, sure. I guess I'll still be awake. Right. Um, I, I didn't know about this until then. And so that's kind of what's really weird about that transition for me. Right. It, it's just immediately the most extreme of all conditions. Like, I feel like there's no, from my observation, like no. half. You've got to be all the way. You know what I mean? Like, I guess maybe if you're like one of those pushers who comes out two weeks a year, but like, if you're really on a team, you know, especially the level y'all were, it's like, all right, <laughs> you're up. It's 5 a.m. And this is the rest of your year. I guess maybe to go back a little bit to kind of the the prompting question for this episode of like, 
kind of the, the the final days, the death throes of pioneers. So, right, there were good kind of vibes and energy. Y'all came together. You're having a lot of fun. Um, it ended up not necessarily lasting, though, right? I think it was, what, 2011, the, yeah. the final race day for pioneers. So kind of what what led to kind of being like, all right, it is done. You know, how did that feel and, and, and anything surrounding that? I, I disagree with the premise. So, so and that's and that'll come out in the story, I think. So it's trucks weekend before race day, twenty ten, and we've recruited a whole new team of people to push because our roster is in, and they've never touched a buggy before. So as mm-hmm. you're saying, we've got you know a whole bunch of I'm not going to call them ringers; they're free agents because um, <laughs> they're certainly not any good at this, um, <laughs> and. Uh, we need to get them some practice just so they're familiar with like where to stand on the course so that we don't get DQ'd for a transition. Right. How do you do a transition? Right. Right. Um, and um, it's, I mean, it would be the last roll of the day. We we're, it's, we're rolling like any other day slow <laughs> because we're pioneers and we're not going for the win. Um, and we, you know, have an aging buggy that we're always kept, you know, in the best of condition that we can for people who have never done a carbon fiber layup, you know, done any more machining than we have experienced in our time at, at CMU. Um, actually, maybe Joshua had done some first robotics, mm-hmm. um, but uh, certainly we only had the knowledge that we had. So when on the last uh, role that we would do for that day, Chaos comes around, finishes up Hill 5 and our uh, inexperienced pusher who's never been to buggy before grabs the push bar at the top of it about as hard as it is to stop the buggy um you know that's what you do when the race is over you stop the buggy and the top of the shell spiderweb cracks and dlam starts right at the push bar in that critical area um that's a big oh fuck moment so at this point you know it would not necessarily be safe to roll we scratch for the day and now you know, we've been in Oregon Life Support for two years. This is our only buggy. This is our only ticket to rolling ever again. So we have to do something about that. Wow. Um, so, you know, we take it back to the shop. And, you know, within a couple, if you do that day or the next day, we're wrapping another layer and bagging it so that we have sort of a, a supportive uh, shell on the outside of the push bar to make sure that we can just get it through to next weekend and push on race day. So on uh, race day... Uh, 2010, right? Um, 2011. 2011, race yeah, 2011. 2011 yeah. We, you know, are pushing on a buggy that's basically in a cast. Um, if you had seen it from the weekend before, now it's got a new paint job, but it's not like a stylish paint job. It's just sort of covering a quick repair that we had to do. And so it was like, you're saying the push bar was essentially like the the attachment to the buggy was like... Yeah, cracked. and it affected the, the layer. The, yeah. uh, buggy is a carbon monocoque um, design. Um, mm-hmm. And once the the outer shell and the inner shells of carbon fiber, the epoxy fails, they're just not structural anymore. And that's the only structure that there is in a buggy. So at that point, you know, somebody sits on it wrong before we patched it. It could have, you know, gone right through. Um, or it just goes over the wrong bump, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, and the push bar rips out and hits the driver in some way. Um, so... Really, I think, I'm not sure that there was a huge safety hazard to the driver in that case, but... Because we stopped and fixed it, yeah. I mean, even if we hadn't, you know, that, okay, that's under compression and carbon fiber is would be is not doing much for you under compression there anyway. Um, but that bit, at, at least what I remember anyway, 
where that failed, the thing that we were expecting was like next time, you know, somebody gave the final heroic shove on Hill two, um, the, the push bar would, we would have, uh, we would be DQ'd for loss of mass. Yeah. yeah. They would just come right up. And then we could add another push bar to the broken pioneers push bar <laughs> stack. Jesus. So we pushed race day. Everything was fine. I think we even passed, uh, drops on the women's teams. Um, uh, during that role. So we actually put up a time. It would have been the only time that this team, this crew of people, no, V was already out at that point. So, you know, the only time that uh, Joshua and Sumaya and Zai. I wasn't driving. No, Hero drove that. Yeah. Okay. I drove You're still part of the org. Team. That was the thing that we really wanted was um, one of the reasons why we were doing this was to make sure that we had enough push teams so that both drivers could drive. Mm-hmm. So, Buggy was dead. Um, I didn't feel comfortable rolling it any further. I think that was the general consensus of the team. And as we've stated, when you're a one buggy org, you know, your buggy is your sort of lifeblood. Um, So going into the next year, we needed to build. And Pioneers has this weird history of being an org where people bring just the worst ideas, just the absolute worst ideas to... Valkyrie, which is the scorpion-looking buggy with a curving push bar. That was a Pioneer's buggy. Carries is riding eight inches off the road surface with these huge biohazard wheels that are machined out until they're flexy. They had these billet aluminum wheels, and they just machined it all away until there was nothing left. The thing about buggy is, though, like you see somebody show up with a scorpion push bar, and you're kind of like, oh, shit, what do they know that I don't? Everyone starts talking you about see it. it. But then you see it roll and you're like, oh, they did not know <laughs> They don't know anything. <laughs> that was solidly the, I think that's what everybody thought when CIA showed up for the first time with the retracting push bar. Like, what do they know that I don't? Mm. They're still, okay, they're as, still. As, as someone who actually drove a dropping push bar buggy, in terms of driver happiness, that's like A plus shit. Because it's like, when you're a driver and you're in the buggy, people forget that you're in there. But when you can drop the push bar, you suddenly have gained access to communication. You can express yourself with the push bar. And like, if I was feeling ignored, like if I was feeling like people forgot I was in the buggy, I would just drop the push bar down and like be like, hey, hey, I'm in here. You know, I definitely hit people with the push bar because I could, if they were standing too close, I would drop it, wait for them to lean in and snap it back up at them, you know. Um, we had a driver who during an exhibition heat would um, put down the push bar to pass the leading buggy, get in front of the buggy, and then put up the push bar just to be like, ha ha, and then put it back down again. You know, like the dropping push bar was great. <laughs> buggy is performance art. I thought it was like the one rule that like, we should not do a dropping push bar. No matter how fun it yeah. is, it's a terrible idea. No, no do one should do, do it. It's a bad idea. It's awful. However, it was really fun. But I guess, Ethan, you were saying bad ideas. Yeah, so we had uh, some people involved in the organization that had some ideas, um, which one could objectively say were bad. (laughs) So uh, over the course of um, the 2012 school year, 2011-2012, we, those who were still involved because it was, you know, hard to keep people in an org where we weren't even able to roll, tried to puzzle out how one builds a buggy. Uh, And as... You know, many teams know, uh, especially now, or, you know, more in the past, knowledge of how to get a buggy going from nothing is really hard to acquire. 
Um, and Pioneers had a couple of old build books kicking around that were my reading material and had been for years. But, um, you know, no one's going to tell you how to do it. Um, so we threw around some pretty bad ideas <laughs> for a while. Um, and we got started on a build. Um, and we cut some foam. But it's, you know, we don't have uh, like a committed mechanical engineer on our team. We're just a bunch of computer scientists. I'm an art student. Uh, and a bunch of hopeless nerds that have uh, other shit to, to do. Um, and no one has the knowledge. Like, there's just not an institutional knowledge. Um, so we struggled through a lot of that year trying to figure out what the direction for pioneers would be. Um, and like who would lead that ship? Joshua, you'd graduated, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that kind of the core, the core failure came years prior, um, which was not aggressively recruiting. Right. If we had a body of folks. What did we have to offer? Right. Like, I mean, actually, I think we had a lot to offer. Uh, I thought that uh, I think that we had some of the most fun on the course. I think that honestly not giving a shit and therefore having, you know, being able to enjoy no matter what the outcome was, like enjoy this. I enjoyed this idea of like, we are actually making this happen. Everybody who shows up is making the, the, you are not just along, you know, you're not just cruising, right? Anybody who shows up that morning, right. Yeah. was actually critical to it. Yeah. But I don't think we had a great way of communicating that. And maybe that's not a great marketing message. It's also, uh, we couldn't get the sort of people who wanted to like, this is the thing that you do. You show up and you push the buggy at right. this time, at this time, there was nothing else. You are a cog in the machine. We didn't have those roles. Sort yeah. Of. And I guess maybe that's, that is the failing of this, right? Is uh, of recruiting in that kind of organization is when, when you have a defined, you know, I want to be part of this thing and this thing that cares deeply about what it does. CIA is the buggy, like they do the buggy org, right? Thing. Yeah. And that's an easy thing to recruit for, but it's hard to, to recruit for like, I want you to commit to something that might not be or that might not survive. Right. Everybody knows CIA is going to be there next right. year. Um, and it's hard to, to have at activities fair um, the message being, I want you to show up and commit this whole year with a couple of us who are scrapping some shit together. But I guess maybe that brings me to why I kind of dispute the claim that pioneers died at all. Um, <laughs> which sure. is that pioneer, the, the, the end result of pioneers is that, uh, we, and by we, I mean, Ethan, and, and I guess Maya, you probably were around for that decision also, right? I wasn't, I actually took the year, um, uh, 2011 to 2012 off of school. So right. I just like straight up wasn't a student. I stopped existing. Right, you dematerialized. Um, yep. And I will follow that trend for many coming years. Um, <laughs> right. And so this is part of the problem is that not only were we it, there was nobody else to sort of pick up the slack. We were dysfunctional people. <laughs> but wait, yeah. there was. There was, and it was Apex, right? Sure. But Apex, you know, were freshmen mm-hmm. at that time. Apex were they all hadn't freshmen. hadn't existed before. Okay, yeah. but they have a thriving buggy team, right? Yeah. So I, I don't I mean, know I assume Apex they have a thriving buggy, buggy team. I don't know. They do. Um, it's, and it's it's quite excellent. Um, fucking fantastic yeah i mean apex will tell their story on their podcast but the way that it intersects with pioneers is very exciting um which is that um this idiot group of freshmen 
um, because that's the only way you can describe a crew like this from the res put together a buggy team apropos of nothing with no support <laughs> and also in opposition to SDC. SDC, they like, you know, are supposed to represent dorms, student dormitory council. So when this group of freshmen puts together a buggy team with nothing, uh, just in name only, uh, SDC goes, oh, yeah, you guys are part of us or, you know, you should join us. And uh, and then they offer them, you know, shit. They would be the fifth team in a roster that was already incredibly deep. And it was, I don't even think we were rolling five buggies on race day at that time. Like Apex was sort of like what we needed when we should have been recruiting people. But like, they didn't, because they didn't want to be the people who showed up and it's like, you're new, you're a scrub, push this buggy. That's all we expect of you. After you prove yourself, you can do more things in this organization. Right. Pioneers, again, is an organization that was willing to like do dumb ideas. Like, this is the dumbest idea. (laughs) Just take a group of... On Just, paper, I think I was the chair because I went to the chairman's meeting because I was already at the driver's meeting. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. You might have been the buggy chair and I might have been the org president or something. I mean, like, arguably we were all chair, like, just right. because we were all doing something else more, we covered parts of being chair. Right. Um, so I was connected with uh, Connor Hayes from Apex, um, almost certainly through Casey. Um, there's there's not another way that that connection would have been made. So student activities had gotten wind of you know a, an organization that wanted to form, and uh, an email was sent to me, and it was very intriguing because the opportunity existed for pioneers to live again. You know, like a, this is such a weird thing that keeps happening where we reduce this organization to no one, and then all of a sudden it, it comes back. Uh, which is a metaphor that is well trod uh, <laughs> as we will move forward. So you know, I meet with Apex, uh, an org that I think didn't have that name yet, and show them around our shop. And they get really excited because there's a buggy on the wall. Um, and I'm like, no, you can't roll in chaos. It's damage. I thought they did roll in it for one year. No, no, they rolled in camo. Oh, okay. They had pulled camo out of a dumpster. Um, <laughs> so for the fall semester of whatever year this is, we're 2011. Yeah, 2011 now. Um, Apex rolled in camo. And any team that is willing to pull camo out of a fucking dumpster and get it to a rollable condition with functional breaks, passing capes and drops and everything it does every morning is a, a team that's willing to commit and has already made all the mistakes that are a prerequisite for doing buggy. They are showing up they're they're you know committed well beyond the level that anyone should have to um and it was like really great to work with them obviously in this first year and that's kind of why i kept thinking that's why i i considered for a long time i considered them to be the spiritual successor of pioneers in the sense that like none of us had any clue what we were getting into either until v was like you're here you go buds um and so that this is kind of the same thing they're like we've never like we didn't we're not an offshoot of a buggy org we just like we have materialized a buggy org just a little little tease for you uh buggy fans out there we are doing an apex episode in uh, a couple weeks so you'll be able to hear that in in full detail but it's cool to hear it also from from kind of this side so we'll be able to to bridge those two uh kind of stories there yeah so i mean i became involved in apex um and basically offered them our shop we had a lot of resources. We had any knowledge at all from having rolled for a couple of years, even if it was just understanding, you know, what time things needed to happen and you know, having a harness for the driver. 
And that team took a lot of our ethos. Um, and I think they would, you know, believe that as well, especially because they became what we were a team with one buggy that wasn't even theirs. Uh, they stopped rolling with camo and put it back in a dumpster. Thankfully, I think somebody fished it back out um, at the end of fall and received from Sam Swift or, you know, someone in fringe uh, insight to roll on, which is how uh, apex went to their first race day. Um, but they did that all out of the pioneers garage. Um, so they were using all the old Pioneers resources. And that's really where the org went. And they weren't interested in keeping our name. This group of people was so committed to their idea, and and rightfully so, because they had clearly proven that they were able to make this happen. They wanted to keep their name and have full autonomy. And I, you know, wasn't gonna fight them about it. Like no, yeah. they were I was just gonna give them everything they needed to succeed. Um and they they had the same struggle that we had to approach right at that time is if they were going to be a buggy or they had to build a buggy that was theirs and they picked up from our old build so the um the mold that was originally designed for a successor chaos that had been yet to be named it was specced to mayas and uh, another driver's uh, measurements um which is fortunately for everyone into the future um rather uh, a roomy buggy for it means you have a wide pool of drivers to recruit from um, that became the basis for phoenix uh, and that mold was you know bondoed over and carbon fibered and cia came in to help um shout out to jerry carlson shout out to rachel everyone who came in for for these early builds uh and you know i, I think josh was right in that apex is really a spiritual success to pioneers and for a while they were doing the same stuff. They just did it more successfully. <laughs> right. I'm not going to claim that they are us because that, you know, that that's not what they are. They they were their own thing. They went in their own direction and and built an org from scratch. Um but the the concept of, you know, yes, they they had some resources that we had left around, presumably whatever slush fund we had left around if we had anything left, we must have kicked it over. I bought some carbon fiber with it. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, okay, presumably they picked up that carbon fiber. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, it was for that build. But, you know, driver safety and enjoyment was great. paramount. And then mm -hmm. they brought to it this open atmosphere, this open source idea about right. how to make right. this accessible because it wasn't for us. And that's part of why our org collapsed was that there was no roadmap. Nobody mm -hmm. could tell us how to build a buggy because those secrets were proprietary or, you know, heavily guarded or hidden underneath impenetrable layers of carbon fiber uh, and that is still something the sport will suffer from and may kill it unless more orgs are interested in bringing in more people because we are seeing reduced uh race day numbers reduced attendance at, at roles even today the the kind of open source question must have been in opposition to the the, the antithesis of that at the time would have been pike i, I don't know if they still are I mean, yeah, I think it was definitely a reaction to like Pike and SDC and just kind of yeah. trying to build a very opposite culture. Right. Um, and we, we felt we, we were that. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. On uh, during design comp, it's like, here, check out our buggy. Our windscreen is open. Take a picture of it. Here's how I get in the buggy. Right. Like, child inside. <laughs> no secrets. Just buggy. Um, or like pictures of me, like windscreen off, just like, here's, you know, how the steering works. Don't do this. It's not yeah. a good idea. Uh, we were, we were drive by wire. Yes. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. 
<laughs> but if you want to, here it is. Uh, yeah. The part that you can see, at least. Uh, here's our bike brake on a pipe. Very normal. Yep. The problem was using bicycle brake pads. Ah. I had always I think... assumed that that's just what everyone did. No, no. I'm not going to. I don't know. This is probably open. Uh, Apex machined metal pads. Because when your wheel is polyurethane, you need a mm. metal surface to brake against. It's yeah. the same theory you would do in a bike. Anyway, sure. that's probably mm. why we kept failing drops on race day. If you heat your wheels, you can't mm. break rubber on rubber. It just doesn't work. Oh. No, yeah, I think that's it. I can't know. I, you know, but that was my. Ethan, have have buggies moved to bike disc brakes yet? No, it's too heavy. Oh, it's too heavy. You can't. We don't have a way to. Yeah. What the hell do you mean it's too Look, heavy? You, it's too you, heavy. you want to add weight to the buggy, otherwise you're going to get a lot more fish tailing. That's like probably why I was so good at driving because like if you weigh more, the buggy sticks to the ground. I mean, when when we yeah. were driving. Um, Hannah, who is an extremely tiny driver in chaos, I had to put a bag of washers in the back of the buggy so that there was enough weight over the back wheel so she wouldn't fishtail and so she had something to break against. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes wow. you do add some weight. Well, cool. So I, I think we're kind of starting to wind out a little bit, but um, really cool stuff. I, uh, I had no idea about all this and it, it should segue really nicely into the apex episode coming out in a bit but i guess just open up if there are any things y'all feel like you haven't shared or lessons learned or final reflections or anything like that about uh pioneers buggy life love west taught us a lot of really important lessons like you cannot weld titanium to steel you can't do it don't try it doesn't work um that's why valkyrie failed if you're wondering it's in the build book uh, oh. they recorded it for future generations um, the kingpins just snapped right off because the cross member was titanium and the pipes were steel. And that's very stupid. I feel like if there's anything I've learned from this entire conversation is that I'm kind of glad pioneers died. Oh, I totally am. What would it have been? Yeah, right. Because it's like, like pioneers as an org really needed to actually burn to the ground. Because by the time I got the org, like there, I mean, there was a basically a clean break between whatever history was before me and whatever history was after me because I wasn't even part of Pioneers when I took over. Um, and you all here basically started over and gave the org a couple more years um, until it could get passed into whatever form, little little tendrils left of it that are you know still in Apex. But it's like, like the org was done by the time I had it. And <laughs> like when something is done but you can still kind of like have a little bit of a good time with it on its way out like that's kind of all we all did i think it sucks to really be the one to see the org actually finish but i'm kind of glad that it was us yeah the premise of the original question is like did we carry like pioneers through to its death is is sort of off base we are just pallbearers um <laughs> yeah you know, we're the dancing pallbearer guys. Chaos like the, yeah. But the buggy org was already dead. All we had to do was carry it and lay it down. Coming, If we're coming back to the premise of the episode, then my claim is I am also glad that Pioneers died because I think Pioneers' death made way for Apex. Um, and mm -hmm. I am way... And, and so if there's a question that the this episode asks in general, it might be... and. and I don't know what, who the hell am I to say this, but um, 
what do you do to make way for the future of Buggy, right? Um, Pioneers was yeah. holding on to the past of Buggy in, in our generation of it. Uh, we were holding on to it for dear, you know, just grabbing onto it for dear life. Um, and in some senses, it's good that we did hold on to it for dear life that long. Uh, because if we didn't, then there would have been nothing to hand over to Apex. And, and, but the death of the organization made way for the future of Buggy. And so that's kind of my big question is, what do you do to make way for the future of Buggy? Yeah, Buggy Alumni Association. What do you do to make way for the future? Who needs to get burnt down to a crisp next? That's the question. I, yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. I, I don't probably have the answer for that right now, but no, it's. I mean, who tried to eat Apex when they were forming, apparently? Yeah. I yep. mean, <laughs> that's not even what I was going for, but. Oh, uh, oh certainly. Yeah. Like, I mean... like with the loss of institutional memory across the entire sport due to the pandemic, like Buggy's got to be something in the future. Um, the the university is going to keep it alive on life support. We don't know what it looks like. Um, so, I mean, the, the best thing we could do for students that are coming after us as alumni or even as current rolling orgs is just to support what the new kids are coming in, whatever they want to do. Because, I mean, if Pioneers was anything, it was people came to it to make a lot of mistakes and figure stuff out. But like you had to make the mistakes. You were never going to do it all right the first time. Um, so you really need to give space right. for everyone in your org, in other orgs, in the whole sport to like come in, mess it up a little bit, figure out what comes after. It's important to remember that buggy is something that students do. Um, and, you know, as alumni who have a lot of you know, personal <laughs> identity and history tied up in buggy it's easy to forget that um i currently work at cmu you know i'm in my office right now in margaret morrison right so like i'm very close to seeing what buggy is mm -hmm. for students on a regular basis and it's their game you know it's their thing and yeah like what ethan said like whatever the students need and want out of this it's for them and they get to make those mistakes and they get to make those decisions and come up with ideas and do whatever they want. And, you know, we're basically parents at this point. We just got to give them room to do the thing and sit back and watch, hope no one gets hurt. Then it'll be different. Yeah. I guess like sort of like my thought was like, I felt bad not being able to like make pioneers live again, but like, you know, I'm happy that apex got more of a running start from what was left of Pioneers and that there was something left of Pioneers to give them that. I mean, you know, obviously they were going on their own, but like space, carbon fiber, somebody who's planning on building a buggy, right. things like that. Um, we are um, 10 years after Phoenix is built and it still rolls, which is, which is weird. Really? Yep. Yep. Yep, this year. It won't roll on race day. Uh, Apex has already done better builds than that. Um, but I do see, you know, I would have called this buggy Phoenix, whether or not Pioneers or Apex built it. Um, uh, I did get naming rights. That was one of the things I retained in the transition. Um, I used it to troll them um, by naming the project after a My Little Pony reference and then um, naming the actual finished buggy after something very close to us which is the rebirth of an org um yeah. but yeah i mean that's that is the that is the last living legacy of pioneers and it's still kicking we did a pretty good job 
And by we, I mean all the Apex kids. They did. Yeah, they did. I <laughs> yeah, mean, that's they, the thing, right? Not... Like, this... If, if the future belonged to Apex, if the future of Apex belonged to Apex, it's true that the future of Buggy belongs to Buggy students right now. To, mm-hmm. to current students. Not, it's not ours. Yeah. We should hope... I God, I hope they'll have as... Fun is like the wrong word for Buggy, to be honest. Um, I, I hope they have as as experience as I did. Um, <laughs> but um, but I can't make them. I can't force it for them. Well, awesome. And we will hear that story, I think, next. Uh, but, you know, thank you all for, for joining tonight, um, sharing this story. This was a really, really fascinating episode. Um, any other last thoughts or, or final sign-offs here? Good morning, CIA. Good morning, CIA. Uh, good morning, CIA. Good morning, CIA. Good morning, CIA. Uh, and uh, good good morning to all you Shoot the Shit listeners. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I thought some really, really fascinating stuff there, especially once it started getting philosophical about kind of the meaning of buggy orgs and alumni and uh, everything they had to do. Uh, but, you know, we'd love to get your thoughts on it. If you go to cmubuggy.org slash chat, you can get into the Buggy Alumni Association Discord. Uh, let us know feedback on the que- the episode, follow-up questions, ideas you have for future guests, or if you want to be on here, uh, we'd love to hear it. This podcast really is for you, the Buggy community. Uh, so any feedback and thoughts you have, very, very much appreciated. Uh, have a great episode coming up next week with Apex, which really kind of continues this narrative about pioneers and uh, the Phoenix that rose from the ashes there. Uh, Thank you once again for listening. I'm Will Weiner. A huge shout out to the Buggy Alumni Association, specifically Rachel Schmidt, produces this, which means she gets all the guests together. She does all the editing, puts it online, makes everything happen. So everybody thank her for making Shoot the Shit possible. And we will see you next week with an Apex episode.